0: Welcome to the Vine Time with Melanie Baldock. Today's guest is the magical musical Greg Martens. Welcome, Greg. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for coming.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: And you just got back from this amazing trip to Las Vegas.
1: Yes, it is. A couple, a couple hours ago, I was actually in Las Vegas about ten hours ago. I right. took a red eye. Nice. Went out to see U2 open this place called The Spear, kind of like that microphone. That's amazing. This is an amazing
0: show that's going on, amazing too. venue.
1: It's the venue. I mean, I've seen U2 before. It's the venue that puts the bands over the top. Right.
0: Okay, very okay. good. Nice. Yeah. And you were at the first show, right? Opening night. I know, see? Yeah, they, spent,
1: uh, they spent $3 billion on making this place. They have 15,000 yeah, 15, speakers Wow. and a video screen that uh, is is it's just crazy the spear s-p-h-e-r-e las vegas check it out
0: oh wow fantastic um, the, uh,
1: best musical uh experience you'll ever have in your life
0: and so i say this and you know hunter boone knows everybody but you have, know everybody else so okay, no. <laughs> you know everybody in the music business yeah <laughs> you know I,
1: I, I give good back ropes
0: there you go and, and how did you start in the music business
1: well that's a good question um uh long story short i, I tribute to frank zappa um in september 81 i went to brennan burn arena and saw the rolling stones and they filmed a movie let's spend the night together and they only filmed outdoors in arizona indoors in brennan burn arena my girlfriend at the time her father was vice president of uh, radio city music hall which is nbc so we get to our seats i said lord can daddy get us tickets so we get to our seats three rows on the side and who is in front of us the whole cast of saturday night live joe Piscopo, eddie murphy uh, Al Franken, maybe uh, your young viewers will have to Google who those people are, <laughs> started live when it was funny. When it was good. So anyway, step up all night, drove back to Boston University because I, I was introduced, I was a, although I was a freshman, I was introduced to a senior at BU that was a big deadhead. My friend, you got to meet him, you got to meet him. And his job is, uh, uh, he's head of the student union. His job was to bring concerts to BU. And he was all of a sudden my friend. And he asked me if I wanted to volunteer for Frank Zappa. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. So I stayed up all night, snorting speed, I think, because that's what we did in 1981. (laughs) And uh, I got back to my dorm, and there's a knock at 9 in the morning. You ready to go to work for Frank Zappa? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Now, Frank Zappa, I'd seen a bunch of Frank Zappa shows before that uh, in Portland, Maine. Some guy threw a bottle at him in, like, 1978. Third song, and he stopped. He goes, I want that guy fucking thrown out of here. And everyone everyone backed up. and pointed where the guy was, and they threw him out. And Frank played, like, two more songs, was pissed, and left. So it was, like, a half-an-hour show. So anyway, uh, I go to load, load Frank in 1981 it's Joe's Garage Tour. And at the time, in Rolling Stone magazine, uh, they said, Frank Sapa's out of control. He's got two Mac trucks. The guy's crazy. He's out of control. Now, fast forward, I worked for Blues Travel and the Rolling Stones and Bridges to Babylon in 1998. The Rolling Stones had 100 trucks. So anyway, me how I got my start. Uh, that was the day I loaded in equipment. Uh, for a rock and roll band. and was one of my heroes, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Zappa, And they actually approached me afterwards and said, I worked really hard. Would I consider coming to work the last three shows tour? <laughs> really? I'm at BU, supposed to be getting a college education. I got mine the musical, yeah. musical uh, college. Yeah. So I, I left school for a couple of weeks and went to work uh, as a roadie for Frank Zappa, And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, then it began just The Grateful Dead and then going to work with Blues Traveler and seeing what it's like standing on stage and selling merchandise and um, but that's where I got my start was with Frank Zappa. Nice. Yeah.
0: And then you worked for the Grateful Dead many years, or are you so? Still- well, I, I was
1: going to Dead shows. Yeah. Same time that you know when I met uh, Frank Zappa and stuff. But um, uh, in '87, Touch of Grey came out, and uh, I was with a friend of mine in, in Santa Cruz, California, in between Dead shows. They were playing in Oakland and Kaiser Auditorium the next day. And people have been selling their wares at Dead shows forever. People come up with a duffel bag and sell tie dyes but in 87 it got really big, big right. ass, and people would come and sit up by 10, 10 by 10 booths and people going to Thailand and bring back clothes and all that. It became a real bizarre, like a, a circus. And people would come to buy stuff who didn't even know the Grateful Dead, who they were. But the Grateful Dead came out and told me I could sell anywhere, anytime at their concerts, because I was I was selling MC Escher t-shirts, the famous graphic artist from Holland, and it had no copyright to the Grateful Dead. So, the woman Calico that worked for the Grateful Dead in 1988 came out to Alpine Valley in Wisconsin and said, You guys can sell your shirts anytime, any place at that show because you're not ripping the band off. And by the way, Bob Weir would like the Snakes and Purple and Mickey Hart tank tops. So, <laughs> we put her golf cart up. And I put three boxes on the golf, back of the golf cart. And at the time, I had 16 different Escher prints. So, it was medium, large, extra large. That's like, you know, a lot of stuff to be in control. So, anyway, I sent three boxes of t shirts backstage. Maybe one of the smartest things I ever did, because the whole crew got him the band. Oh, nice. And, for example, the next year I was in Kansas, Kansas opening show of the tour. And you can't, like, have a seed of marijuana at this time in Kansas, let alone pull into a parking lot and set up fucking t-shirts. Right. So because I had permission from the band, I was kind of like the guinea pig. I'd pull down and I'd set up what was now called <laughs> Shakedown. And I'd set up my shit, and all the vendors knew what was going on. They'd all be waiting. Right. People came by, you're crazy, man. You're going to jail, you know. And I can close my eyes and I see the golf cart coming at my from the parking lot. And I can see the revolvers and the cops, yeah. you know, in slow motion. I'm like, okay, it's go time. <laughs> They're like, we're going to confiscate your truck. You're being arrested. I said, excuse me. I, I have permission from the Gravel Dead. Please get on your radio and let them know you're arresting the MC Escher guy. Thank God the guy did it. Yeah. And every radio, if we go back, really, <laughs> you yeah. know, and they got on their golf cart and rode away. And then all the vendors popped up their shit. And, you know, that was part of the course. And the next year in Alpine Valley, it was raining so bad. And there's this cute little girl standing in front of me in pouring rain, uh, wet and with Guatemalan bracelets. And I, I said, come on in here. And I just gave her a towel and told her to sell her stuff. I had a 10 by 10 booth where I was out of the rain and dried her off. And she pulled out a tape and said, these are friends of mine, Blues Traveler, will you play it? We had this huge stereo. And my partner, Tom Pinney, who had an attitude, kind of said uh, no. And I said, Tom, go get 10 bucks, go buy some balloons. So he took off. I put the tape in. Gina went back and met her friends, Blues Traveler, and said, "This guy Greg martens is going to work for you." And uh, long story short, I went and saw him. And I said they sucked. And then I went and saw him again. I go, "Well, they kind of still suck but they're nice guys." And then Bill Graham showed up and said, "I want to take your music to the world." Fish at the time had offered me a job, and I remember calling those guys and saying, "I'm going to work for Blues Traveler because uh, Bill Graham was all over that." So. Got the merchandise. At that point, I was working for this company, Brockham, uh, the world's largest merchandise company in the world. Mm-hmm. Offices everywhere. And in 1993, when I was working for them, they're, they're Crimson Corporation, their main office is in Toronto, and they own the Toronto Blue Jays. And the Toronto Blue Jays happened to win the World Series that year. So I finally met the president of the company. I gave him a shit nonstop. Where's my championship rent?
0: Right. Uh-huh.
1: Ah. Yeah, so um, here we are. It's the year 2023. I'm working on writing a book. Book's called Blind Bliss. It's dedicated to the memory of my best friend, Bob Sheen from Blue's Travel that called me Blind Bliss one night. Mm -hmm. I'm working on building out right now a a museum. It's called Hall of Fans. Everybody's got the Hall of Fame, so we're going to be the Hall of Fans. Excuse me. So basically, I want everyone, when the the book is going to be released as when the museum opens, because the book is all about the wing, the Greg Martin's wing in the museum. I got all this memorabilia. I'm going to tell my stories. So, by writing the book, I'm mean, going to promote the museum. Now, Hall of Fans someday will be branched to sports people, people, fans of beer. Right now, I'm starting at music. And the branch to the music, I'm calling AMFM, Archive Museum for Fans of Music. So, um, along the way, having worked for the Grateful Dead and Bill Graham and stuff, and, and being very fortunate myself, I've learned that, um, let we'll me back up a little bit. I like to throw a party. I'm pretty good about it. i parties since I was in pretty much. So I figured out how to wait to throw birthday parties, particularly, and I needed a cause. So one day, 2003, I decided I was going to start throwing birthday parties, and I needed a cause, and I turned on the TV, and it said, Good Shepherd Food Bank, which is the largest food bank in Maine, uh, it was the beginning of the subprime shit, and they said they were low on money, and they need some help. So once the computer called the director of the Good Shepherd Food Bank, Jason Hall, never forget it. This is Greg Martinez. I want to start doing benefits and raise money for you guys. Uh, you're familiar with Portland music, yeah? I used to live in Portland, uh, because I, I live in Durham now, which is where I live like at Durham, Maine. And uh, yada, yada yada he's my next door neighbor, na- not my next door neighbor, he's one house down, right. And we own a property line, all oh, right. So, uh, for 15 years or so, I raised money for Good Shepherd Food Bank. And I say, I tell people, uh, we raised because it wasn't me, but we raised uh. Almost three hundred thousand dollars worth of food. Now in actuality, the way I say that is because every dollar that I raised for good Shepherd food bank they had a corporate sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And um, so every dollar that we raised, like six or seven dollars, were sponsored. So you know, really in actuality we might have raised eighty or ninety thousand dollars. But what I say we, we raised what amounted to in food. Right. Three hundred thousand dollars.
0: Right. So you raised eighty thousand and then the corporate sponsor yes. would match
1: it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And
0: it was corporate sponsored.
1: Oh, there's a bunch of them, man. Right. Then, yeah. And then okay. uh, as times have gone on. And, and were you then, going
0: yeah. under Go Big Car Hunger? No. Nope. Okay, so nope. you were just nope.
1: raising right the money. So I, I, when I started doing this, I was 40. I said, I'm going to do it till I'm 50. Yep. I wanted to raise. I just wanted to help. So I threw a big 50th birthday party at the Port City. Actually, I had like six shows in three days with John Popper, Chris Barron, fucking fog cutters, all this stuff. And uh, I said, that's it. It's great time for a while. <laughs> so two years later, I hear in the news that, out of these 50 United States that we have, 49 of them that year, the rate of hunger decreased. Guess which the only state out of 50? The rate of hunger increased that year. It's fucking Maine. So I got pissed. I called my Senator Justin Alfon. Uh yeah. I went to a benefit in San Francisco. Jerry Garcia had passed. and His, his daughters put on a benefit at uh, Hard Rock in San Francisco and went. Mm-hmm. And it was sponsored by Yoko Ono. And Yoko and has started a thing at Hard Rock Cafes around the world, casinos, cafes. There's actually 116 hard rock cafes, casinos around the world. Who knew that? And it's called Imagine There's No Hunger. And it's obviously in John Lennon's memory. But what I what I brought back here was when you get your, your billet in the, the night, um, there's what they call line items. it's what you owe the tax mm-hmm. line item for tip. Mm-hmm. So what they did at Hard Rocks, so they left a line at them, and they suggested $2 for hunger. Mm-hmm. So I came back here. It hit me. I was like, that's what you're doing. do. I'm going to start this Go Big for Hunger, and this and that, and I got all these restaurants behind me, and eventually gave it to Full Plates, Full Potential, and they've made like a million dollars off my idea, which is great because they had all the contact. Right. So I decided to get back into it, started this thing called Go Big for Hunger, and I've been doing that for about eight years, and it raised $140,000 or $50,000. And you do this by
0: hosting shows? Well, pretty much my, my birthday
1: shows every yeah. year. And sometimes people call me and want, want me to help get involved. I other, I other festivals. The, somebody was here, Otis Redding Jr.
0: Yeah, Otis yeah, Redding Jr. Yeah, I That was there. in the summer. Yeah. yeah.
1: That was a Go Big Runner show. Yeah. Uh, I met some people in Portland that wanted to get on the music scene and they're young and hungry. So I helped them and uh, they suggested bringing Otis Redding up. That was pretty fun. And I guess, you know, I'm tooting, tooting my own horn here, but I have met a lot of people. Otis Redding Jr., uh, was making, making Georgia. Obviously, his father's Otis Redding it was signed by uh, Capricorn Records, which is the Walden family. Oh. So, when I talked to Otis Redding about coming up here to Maine, I go, Yeah, I'm friends with G Scott Walden. And, oh, you know, and he got in my car. First thing he says, How the fuck do you know G Scott Walden? Yeah, you know? <laughs> and we had a, you know, a fun time. He unfortunately yeah. just passed away, he yeah. passed away before his mother did. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. Um, so
0: it's a great show, it was is, a brilliant uh,
1: show. Yeah, papers. Yeah. This is, it here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, this is just a paper from last year's birthday party. I got some really good press. And, March uh March 6th,
0: was it the 6th or
1: the 3rd? Um, I, it varies. All right. Well, I'll read a little bit. It says here, a guy did a really nice article. Uh, After spending years on the road with bands like The Grable Dead and Blues Traveler, Durham resident, Greg Martin now organizes annual benefit concerts to Fight Hunger in Maine, and his big-name musician friends show up to help. What the to Tom Stanton of the Grateful Dead, John Popper, Blues Traveler, Chris Maron, and Spin Doctors, John Fishman of Fish and Cheryl Neville, the Neville Brothers, all have in common. Besides being talented and successful musicians, they're all friendly with a guy from Durham named Greg Martins. Hey, that's me. <laughs> oh, man. And they all come to Maine to play his shows when he asks. Quote, he's got one of the biggest hearts I've ever encountered, always thinking about other people. When he asked me to do a show, I know I'll be treated like royalty, said Cyril Neville. So um, I love to do what I do. And it's important to take care of the artists and uh, raise money. And it's a family thing. You know, it's, uh, you read the book, uh, Blind Bliss. You really a about my family roots and uh, philanthropy. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Hi, I'm over here somewhere. There you are. I know, there you are.
0: And so I ask all of my guests yeah. this. What do you love? And you know ask that? That's yeah. what Anthony would ask. You know, he would walk in and say, "What's for dinner?" and "What do you love?" Yes, that's
1: great because when I did, I did a thing for a magazine yeah. and for a while, and I asked the same question.
0: Yeah,
1: of, every, it's an and important day. question. A lot of people have a hard time answering. It's true. I don't know what it was, but yeah. um, what do you love? Like? Uh, what do I love? I love life itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I live the life I love, and I love the life I live. I'm yeah. a road runner, baby. <laughs> I can't stay in one place too long when the serious? dust hits my shoes i got the urge to move but a toothbrush in my hand let me be a traveling man mm-hmm. um love is one of my favorite four-letter words uh mm-hmm. like robert frost said you might as well look for it here i couldn't think of a better place to <laughs> nice. um you know <clears throat> it's important also uh, for a while it's weird we're talking about this i've been i'm not a very studious person whatever i i got I really wanted to know what a friend was one day. So I picked up a dictionary and looked up what the fuck a friend was. I had to. Right. And then I got in this habit of carrying a dictionary around, and I had a word for the day. I closed my eyes, flipped the dictionary around, back front where didn't know what it was, and opened a point. And then right down the letter, I had this stuff somewhere, the, the word. And the shit that happened during that day, I remember one day, the word was normal. I went to pick up our friend Kimmy Wilson. We were going down on mm-hmm. a Wednesday night to see Bambi on She goes, mm-hmm. My friend from Normal just called. Like, Normal's National Organization of Referral of Marijuana Laws. So yeah. It was the same day. And then I put on a concert, uh, the Millennium. Remember Y2K? Mm-hmm. 1999 to 2000. And I came home. Probably do a couple bumps or something. I was going to go to a party. And I was called a cab in Portland. I lived on Munjo Hill. I was going to get a cab. I kind got pissed off. Like, three or four in the morning. I just put on this great show. I was all alone. And I go, okay, I'm going to open this dictionary. And it's going to be the last word. And it's going to be the word for the fucking... The next century.
0: It.
1: Yeah. The word is mankind. Oh. And I closed the dictionary. And just, I don't think I've ever opened a dictionary since.
0: Then. There you go. Yeah. And so yeah, it's all it's about powerful. love and everybody. It's very powerful. It's so you, it's funny because I'm very spiritual, but I believe uh, in signs and symbols, yeah. and you see them, which is great yeah. because some people they're just oblivious to all the yeah. symbolism
1: that's all around well, the trees and. Unfortunately, and, people you know, know it's not meant yeah. for everybody. It's, yeah, like, uh, it's like a thing. You know, it's like yeah, it, you know, it's not meant for everyone to grasp Right. Some people born that they're just that way. Right. You know, it's that's true, that's, and you're one of them. You're well, as soon, of them. As, soon as, <laughs> as soon as you can accept that, <laughs> yeah. and and like on Pisces, and I've learned, I had to learn that you know I used to beat myself up. The symbol for Pisces, or if you look at it, are two fish swimming mm-hmm. in it, it represents heaven and hell were torn. Right, and right. I spent my whole life that way until this recently. Yeah. And you yeah. know, it's it's constant battle. And the thing about Pisces that I've learned is I had to admit these are things, you know, are the way it's going to be. Stop mm-hmm. beating myself up and move on. Yeah. And let me, I mean, I'm just human. It's not for
0: everybody. So we're very lucky here today to have Darby Saban here with us. Yes. And she's going to sing a song
1: for us? Yeah, play. Why don't you pick yeah. up the guitar? While she does that, I'll tell you one. Um, I've had people all my life ask me, musicians, Greg, help me, help me. And they can't help themselves. And I met Darby, kind of cool way. Well, I'm getting the story. We hit it off. And I'm like her father that... Uh, she be around, but uh, I knew all that's how I was introduced to her was of her father passing away. We have a lot in common. And the thing is, she's gonna be a star. And I, I had is. her here today. I want everyone to meet her, and yeah. she's gonna play us out. She, You heard a song, she played us in. She's gonna play us out, girl. Yeah.
2: That's crazy that you say mankind, and like brings me into this thought of togetherness yeah. and community, and how when you recognize that you see the hurt in people, you see the human in them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I wrote this song about. I was down one day and realized, oh yeah, we're all kind of suffering, so. We have it made. Our ambitions lining up. Moving out, dismantling traditions. all get paid we won't be scrambling he'll be an artist and she'll take pictures and I'll be a musician yeah the teens were hard but those years taught us how to start grinding past the rocky roads and make better decisions together we try to sacrifice heartache that's behind us try to free our minds and live our lives chasing only what makes us strong and raises us up high together we try together we try two with no clue how I lost all of my promised opportunities billing statements pile now it's 52 Beseech the Savior, we plead and wager reverie. Love thy neighbor in time. We learn what really saves us is community. It's in our nature. Together, we try to sacrifice the heartache that's behind us. Try to free our
0: Will indeed. Hang on.